Welcome, everyone, to the L7C Podcast UFC edition. We are back talking some UFC with the UFC expert, Mr. Charles Marlowe. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing today, Martin? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, man. It's again, great to have you back. You came back last month in November, and you're already back again with a December episode. So when you came back in November, you had to catch people up on a lot of different stuff. You had to give your thoughts on Fury and Ngannou, On You gave your thoughts from UFC 290 all the way up to 295. And then since then, you gave your predictions for 295. Since then, 295 has happened. We got 96, 97, and we're heading into 2024. Yeah, we're heading to 2024, um, you know, end of the year. Um, we have the mega card coming up here, which we're going to highlight a little bit later on. Um, and then you have next year, you have your next mission of setting out those different events. You got UFC 300 next year. Mm-hmm. You got a lot of things on the horizon. You got a lot of promising stars, a lot of injured old vets, um, people taking the rain, people just now stepping up. It's a lot moving in this um in the UFC and fighting world, just in general, there's a lot going on. Um, and it's been great for the sport. It's been great for everyone um, in com- combat sports. And I just love to see the direction it's trending as far as fighters getting paid. Um, and I just want to keep seeing it go that way. So, Chuck, I just want to ask you a question, too, just going all the way back, like 295 results, things like that. Where would you rank Herrera now that he... Won that event in two rounds, knockout TKO. Like, where do you rank him among like the best fighters in the world right now? Amongst the best fighters in the world, mm-hmm. um, see, it is this is where it gets weird because uh, Alex isn't necessarily a rookie mm-hmm. when it comes to fighting because he has a plethora of like Muay Thai and kickboxing and uh, like fighting background history just all the way pushed back so he's been in this game for a while and he's been dominant in that aspect but moving over into mma moving over into ufc he's still new he's still raw he has one loss and that was that israel adesanya who's arguably one of the best but he's mm-hmm. also beat izzy multiple occasions outside of mma and then also in mma so i think it puts him up there, but I don't think he had. I need to see title defenses. That's when it's going to start really mattering for him and him rising in the UFC history books. I need to see title defenses because he got to the title fast and he did his job. He got to where he needed to get to. But the thing is, I need to see him have the belt, hold the belt, and make a dominant showcase of like, hey, I beat these fighters like twice. I beat this person twice. I've like, I need to see dominant performances and a dominant just title reign. So that's going to put him up there if we see that happen. Gotcha. Currently, UFC, for pound-for-pound male fighters, they have him at number five. Yeah, UFC. So I think if you're thinking about, like, just overall, like, fighters, like, if you're thinking about, like, everyone who's fighting currently at this moment and who's good, He's up there, but I don't think that, like, all-time, if we're talking all-time goaded list, mm-hmm. he's not even in the top 10, maybe top 15. Right. But if we're talking about currently, I, I don't think I have him at number five, but I have him definitely top 15. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because you got pe- you have people below him like Charles Oliveira, Israel Adesanya, and I and when I say this, yes, I know he's beaten Israel Adesanya, but I think that overall UFC aspect, pound for pound rank, that's when I start tying in. I'm tying in just UFC when I go to the pound for pound rankings. Mm-hmm. And now, if we're talking all time fighting career, now you're gonna put him definitely above those people. But that's when you start getting into those tricky narratives of history, past, and reputation. Gotcha. Gotcha. So this 295 card too, just Going down here with just seeing the women straight like Jessica Andrade. I, I know I ask every time, but for the more casual fan, like having that next big woman star step up, I think is really the next step for UFC, like for the casual fan. Oh, definitely. 
because you know you had your Ronda Rousey's, your Holly Holmes, your Amanda Nunes. You had your household names mm-hmm. where Misha Tate. Yeah. You had a uh, plenty of fighters that people kind of like, they're like, oh, okay, I know who she is. Like, yes, yeah, she's mm-hmm. good. She's good. But now you get into it and there's people like, who's this? Like, who is she? Like, so it's not one that, it's not a platform that's really elevated, I think, as much as the male fighters are. And I don't think that people pay, much, pay as much attention to the female fighters as they do the male fighters. And that's just my personal take. I love watching these female fighters. They hold, I feel like they hold a little bit more hate in their heart when they're going out there fighting and they get hit. They take it a little bit personal and they put a little bit more anger in their punches. But for me, I think that next fighter, like I I think I said this last podcast, I think Zhang Wali will be that next fighter Mm -hmm. where you see people are like, oh my gosh, she's dominant. Because I mean, she is a freak of nature. The only other person who I think has the next level of strength close to hers and I say it's close because it's not anywhere near her level still. Um, and that's Jessica Andrade. But she's beaten Jessica Andrade before to hold the belt. So I think that the run we see out of Zhang will definitely um, put her in that. Maybe potentially put her in the pound for pound. I think that she can do it. I think that she'll be that woman's fighter that will take over for the next level. Plus having that following and that backing from Asia just in general should help lift her up in her fan base. How dangerous is, is this Benoit St. Dennis who won in a minute 31 beating Matt Favola? Like how dangerous is this guy? He's pretty dangerous. Um, I just, I want to see more, you know, cause I forget who it was. They just signed in the UFC. Um, it was a Paris fighter. I think it was a fighter from Paris. I think he has like what? 19 seconds combined in his Mm -hmm. last three or six fights or something like that and it's like okay yeah that's good but let's put him up against ufc fighters who are just not going to let him do that for the first few seconds of the fight they're going to like actually make him like i don't know i just think that i want to see how people shape out in the ufc because you got to think the ufc is where the best fighters in the world go to yes i know there's other markets there's other like there's the pfl there's um, Bellator will, you know, all the mergers and things that happen now, but still you have pride, you have floor, you have all these different mixed martial arts, combat sports federations and stuff that you pull into one, but you have to think about who's just really like the best, like the UFC is where people are going to go because they're like, this is a household name. This is the powerhouse. It's, it's their, like, w- it's their WWE. Yeah. It's their WWE. It's the SEC mm-hmm. of combat sports (laughs) if you were so to say chuck anything else from that 295 card that happened last month where you're just like oh we need to be on the lookout for this person in 2024 um i'd say probably tom aspinall and sergey uh pavlovich tom aspinall wants to come for the older veterans and he's calling for john jones to vacate his heavyweight belt um he wants him to drop the belt and I can understand because I think when UFC fighters get injured and they just hold the belt, it holds up the division. Yeah, fighting for an interim belt's fun and all. It's the placeholder. Oh, I got a championship. But it's kind of like one of those ones you put in quotations. I have a belt. Like, it's it holds some weight, but it doesn't hold enough weight to have the credibility of I'm the pal. Like, I have the belt. I'm the heavyweight champion. No interim about it. I am the champion. So I want to see where that goes. Um, if John Jones goes, maybe because I think Stipe is thinking about maybe even retiring. Be like, you know what? John's injured. He's hurt. I don't think this is going to be something that shapes out. Um, so I want to see where that goes and how that shakes things up in the heavyweight division with all the different turmoil and mm-hmm. things that are thrown up in the air. And then Jessica Andrade versus Mackenzie Dern. Andrade showcased very well. I want to see what she does next. I think she put on a great performance against Mackenzie Dern. Mackenzie Dern is on a downslope now, too. Um, after losing back to back, uh, or well, losing the last two out of three at least. Um, so I want to see what happens for her, but I think Andrade moves up heavily, and I think this helps her case for potentially going for a belt again sometime soon. Maybe fighting a not another top three contender will help her out there. So at the time of our recording, UFC 296 is going to happen. In main events, going to be Leon Edwards versus Kobe Covington. Chuck, for a casual person, Covington's name's come up 
quite a bit these past couple years. I just want to know more casual people too. Like, how did he just get a title shot? I feel like he's been out of the title picture for a minute. It's Colby Covington. Um, I mean, if you ever heard any of his past conferences, he and him and Dana are best friends through mutual uh, party representation. No, that's that's Colby is Dana's boy. I mean, he's like a Connor to him. He's kind of one of those guys that come around and there's like, hey, hey, Dana, I know I've been out, but like, I'm your guy. I'm I make I'm I headline things. You got to think about the thing though. Colby Covington, household name, regardless, anyone. Any casual fan knows who Colby Covington is just because of his the way he runs his mouth. So for Dana, he's like, oh, Colby Covington wants to fight? I'm going to put him on the head. He's headlining because I know he's going to run his mouth. He's going to cause a lot of controversy. He's going to have people who buy in because people are going to buy in because they want to see him get his ass beat. So people are going to pay the money to see him potentially get his ass beat. And I think that's one other reason why Kobe gets lifted up to these main events. And that's why he's been out of the game so long. And he threw him straight back in. It's like, oh, this is going to cause controversy. Plus, he's going to run his mouth about why he deserves one. So I'm definitely going to push him up to it. So I think this is maybe a marketing move by Dana by pushing him up and getting him straight back into it. So with Kobe, what's what's up with these press conferences, though? Because I saw the one from a couple of days ago where he was just. Like, he's about to fight the champion. He's fighting for a belt. He should be talking about that. But then he goes on this tangent about LeBron James. Like, and I've, he's done it before. Like, people have done this before in UFC. I don't know why they picked LeBron, especially because, since he doesn't give him any mind. Like, why Why LeBron? It's because Kobe's like, let me go for someone who might potentially say something back. You have to think about it this way. If Kobe targets and attacks LeBron, if LeBron gives him the single bit light of day, think about how many followers LeBron has. People are going to check into, oh, who's Colby Covington? Okay, maybe he gets potentially more fans. He gets more people viewing it. He gets more people buying into the fight. That promotes, that sells more tickets, that sells more fighting fight cards. That gets more money in his pocket and Dana's pocket. It keeps him up there at that level. If he also gets the light of day from LeBron, there's people who hate LeBron because they hate him for that exact same thing. He's going to get more like-minded individuals to be mm-hmm. following his fan base, and he gets more followers and more fans. Kobe Covington, before all of this stuff that he does now with being super Trumpy, MAGA, all this and that, he was just a normal Floridian down in the Miami, herpes, <laughs> all surrounded by Latina women everywhere all day every day so i don't want to hear this fake news kobe is not he's just putting on this image because he knows it sells and it aggravates people and it helps lift him up even more he may also be patriotic and he may really actually support trump but i think a big part of this is in his marketing and how he sells himself and it's working okay okay it's just it's so weird to see him get up there, but we'll we'll come back to that when we give our predictions for that. But I do also want to highlight that there is an Ohio man on this car, Cody. Cody Garbrandt. Like I felt like Chuck before COVID, he was really picking up steam. Like I feel like the whole state was really the wrestling expert Jacob would love the guy like right before oh, yeah. COVID, because he's an Ohio guy. And I don't know how many Ohio UFC fighters. He's the most well. He's the only Ohio UFC fighter I know. But you're the expert. You could tell me if there's other people from Ohio um, UFC who are on the main cards. Two fighters I want to shout out. They've been in the UFC for a long time running. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them follows me. Um, their gym follows me too. Shout out to Matt Brown, um, okay. the immortal Matt, the immortal Brown, and then, or, and then also shout out to Jim Miller. Um, both of those are Ohio fighters. Right, that's um, good Matt to hear. Brown's gym is in. I think I want to say Chillicothe or. Uh, mm-hmm. Not Chelakoth, Ch- somewhere up north, um, Caskla, somewhere northeast Ohio. I can't remember off the top of my head. But anyway, yeah, longtime UFC goats. Those two are like UFC Hall of Famer potential from Ohio. Um, gotcha. But Cody, yes, Cody had that whole TJ Dillashaw feud, mm-hmm. and they were going at it. They were going back and forth between the belt. The trash talk, the showboating. I love Cody so much because the showboating and the shit talking, he backed it up by whooping people's ass. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I 
So you saw TJ Dillashaw got suspended for the two years. And during that time that he got suspended, it was because of the drug test between him popping positive for using PEDs. And it's when he kept beating Cody Garbrandt. And after losing to him, like I said, fighters lose that psyche. Once you get to that top moment and you start losing like that, and if you lose at the level that Cody was losing to TJ Dillashaw, that was a feud that was elevated almost much as much as John Jones and DC because those two hated each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that really had to affect his psyche at the time, but he's never bounced back from that. Even after the PED situation, I feel like he's never, he's had some wins and some crazy knockout highlights, but he hasn't been the same with the way he's been winning, losing. He hasn't been able to be a consistent winner and get back up to that level. He's not even, he's not even ranked. He's, in Which the, is crazy. In the prelims. If if you were talking about this a long time ago, with Cody Garbrandt bring, being in the freaking prelims, it makes no sense. But I hope he can bounce back against Brian. Uh, it's close. If you look at it, it's like minus 192 to plus 160 odds. But that's because, like, Cody just, I think after getting knocked out so much by, like, TJ, that chin hasn't been the same. And he's just been... Your chin gets weakened sometimes if you don't take enough time off. So hopefully taking the time off, working on his head movement and being more patient because he fought with a lot of emotion. He's an emotional fighter and he has to keep his emotions in check because he takes too much risk sometimes. I want to see him be patient, calm, collected. That's one thing about fighting that people don't understand. If you fight with your emotion, because most people, if you get punched in the face, you're going to get pissed off and you're going to want to go attack that person. But if you go and get pissed off and you're attacking blindly, these are highly professional, highly trained professional fighters who will knock you out with the simplest and smallest of mistakes. Mm-hmm. We've seen it time after time. The smallest mistake will get your ass laid the fuck out. And damn it, Cody's been making a lot of mistakes lately. And I hope he I hope to God he bounces back. He's still young. So I I hope he bounces back. What was the highest he was ever ranked? I mean, he was champion. He was number one. Uh, so, he was yep. the top. He was the top dog. He was the one that everyone was gunning for. He's been number one. He's been champion, and it, it's just crazy to see the slope that he's fell off. And I just would love to see him come back to just have that reign that he had before. And then this matchup, he is going. He's the favorite against Brian Kelleher. How do you see this going? Right now, UFC site has Cody minus 192, Brian plus 160. I think this is maybe a tune-up fight. I think they tried to give him someone who potentially he can beat. Because look at his record. He's 13-5. and five. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have many fights compared to most fighters. Like, Brian has, he's 24-14. and 14. So I think that this is one of those fights where he can kind of tune up. He needs to be patient, work his game. This is a fighter where if you're prime Cody, you cakewalk him no problem be patient be reserved get your speed back get like everything back in order and just kind of take your time just working in this fight i think he i have him by decision and if not by decision third round second round knockout like late into the second round but i think he just needs to get everything in order and work just being patient yeah, I'll, I'll be on the lookout because I do like seeing how he's doing just for the simple fact that he is from the state of Ohio and like to see those type of people succeed. And like you said, he's on the prelims. Like this is a guy who should be on the main card, man. Oh, definitely. But if you, if you look at the main card, the main card's honestly loaded. Yeah, I'm looking at the main card right now. This actually one cracks me up. Uh Josh Emmett versus Bryce Mitchell because Bryce looks like Byron. Shout out to the captain, L7C. He'll be hearing that when he uh, edits this pod. But this looks like number six versus number 10. But number six, Josh is the underdog at plus 185. Chuck, how do you feel about that? I agree with it. I mean, Bryce Mitchell is a dangerous submission specialist. I think Josh Emmett has the better stand-up because, I mean, if you've ever seen I don't know if you've ever seen, there's a video circulating right now of Bryce Mitchell with that headband on where you do the little Mm -hmm. legs training. And he was terrible. He was the worst person who did it out of the uh, fighters on this card. Um, I think Josh Emmett has a really great stand-up. I don't want to say great, but I'd say good. I see uh, Bryce Mitchell by submission. Um, I don't know which round. I say maybe round two after he gets things working. Uh, 
that submission game is going to be on point. He's the first UFC fighter with camo shorts for a damn reason. Give that man a damn W. <laughs> Chuck, also on the main card, no women fight on the main card. There's two on the prelim. Uh, there's a banterweight bout and a flyweight bout. Which one of these women's matches interests you? Because I know you watch all the prelims. Yes. So Irene Aldana and Carol Rosa. Um, so Aldana, she's coming off that fight against Amanda. And she mm-hmm. looked like a zombie. She was just a punching bag. So I want to see if she bounces back, if she has some confidence. I mean, Amanda's gone, so you have nothing to be scared of. So fight. I I, I don't get what happened with that fight. I would like to see her bounce back because she looked like she was doing good on the rise. Um, so I want to see how that shapes out for her. Um, and then Ariana Lipsky and Casey O'Neill. I am a huge Ariana Lipsky fan. I would like to see her bounce back. Um uh, She's just had one of those careers kind of where she's just back and forth, but they're putting up her up against one of the youngsters in uh, Casey O'Neill. So I think that one's going to be really interesting, actually, how it shapes out, because it's going to be really, really close fight. Um, Ariana has the experience compared to Casey being young and fresh. So I think that'll shape up really good. And then jumping back to the main card, you got Tony Ferguson, who's a well-known fighter versus Patty uh, Piplet. How do you see this one going? Ferguson's the underdog. Tony Ferguson versus Patty the Baddie Pimlet. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so hyped for this fight. Tony Ferguson has been training with David Goggins for like the past two months. I hope he got his ass back to back to Tony Ferguson shape. Um, I got Patty though. Tony, I'm sorry. You're I think you're at that point in your career where it started to you got to start to decide what the hell you're going to do if you're going to hang it up or not. He's shown a little bit of glimpses of glory in the last fight, but I just I don't see it anymore from Tony. I don't. I don't think it's there. I pray to God that I'm wrong. I hope he proves me wrong. But Patty is young. He's on the rise. And this I think this is one of those ones where we're going to look at it and we're going to be like, damn, why the hell did we make this happen? I got Patty by knockout. On the main card, out of all the odds, Stephen Thompson is the biggest underdog on the main card. He's a plus 470 underdog. Why is he such an underdog in this match? Does he have a shot? Like, what's going on with that? Because he's going against Shafkat, and Shafkat is a motherfucking animal. Okay. He's an animal. I love Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He's one of my favorite fighters. He's one of the, he's like top. He's top 10 for me in the fighters. I say top five, actually, for me in the fighters who got me into the UFC. Mm-hmm. I love his karate style and it, just the way he, his the rhythm and the flow. Um, and the battles between him and Tyron Woodley were legendary, uh, except for the one fight that was absolutely terrible. I'm not going to get into that. Um, but Shavkat, look at the record, 17-0. This man is an animal from Ubekistan. Um I I I really think that he walks him, no problem. I mean, if you've seen any of Shafkat's fights lately, the dude is an animal, and the way that he just runs through opponents is just crazy. He ran through Neil Magny like it was nothing. Uh, I think this is going to be uh, Shafkat by submission. Okay. First round, probably, unfortunately. Then you have the flyweight title belt. You got Brandon, who is the underdog, plus 160. This is a closer match versus Alexandre. Alexandre? How do you say his name? Uh, Alejandro Pantoja. Alejandro uh, Pantoja, the champ. How do you see this one? This is the match before the main event. Pantoja, the newly reigning champion for the... Uh... Sorry, I... I think I messed up. Yeah, so Pentoha, the newly reigning champion after taking it from Moreno. I don't know. So I see that Pentoha is heavily favored. I kind of like uh, Brandon Royval in this situation. Um, I'm surprised that Moreno didn't try and come back for his belt because you've seen it before with fighters lose a fight and they come back mm-hmm. immediately for their belt and get a title shot. Uh, Moreno's taking time to just really rework on his game after that because that, that was a fight where people were like, how the hell did he lose? Like, mm-hmm. no one expected Pintoja to win. Uh, the underdogness, I, I think the underdog like odds were pretty, pretty, pretty like crazy. But I 
I don't really see it where Petoha is going to win it. Um, he's an older fighter. Um, Roy Vall is younger. He has a lot more speed. I think the speed is going to play a big factor into it. I got Roy Vall potentially fourth round knockout, I think. Um, if not, goes to the decision. Roy Vall, man, he just dominates pretty much. I think the speed and the um, striking will be better. If Petoha can wrestle with him and keep him down, I think that's where it starts getting kind of eh. Then you got the main event, like we talked about, Edwards Covington. Uh, Covington is the underdog in this one. Main event. How are you seeing this one go? Uh, people are going to hate me for this. Uh, oh. <laughs> Sounding like I you're got, going Covington. I got, I got Kobe. Um, you know, after seeing those fights with Kobe and Kamara and that, I don't know if Leon can really take that tempo that I understand. Yes, he's beaten Kamara and Kamara's beaten Kobe. So in theory, he should beat him. But Kobe's kept it close. And I don't know if Leon is ready for that pace that he's at. I think these two have been kind of like dodging each other a little bit in a situation, like in a way. But like, I don't know if Kobe can really or if Leon can keep up with the pace that Kobe um, has. When you talk about pace for the people listening, are you saying Kobe? Kobe goes a very fast pace. Leon's what a methodical fighter. Like, so there's different methods and stuff to fighting and grab and grappling. So MMA, you can wrestle, you can punch, mm-hmm. you can kick, you can do so many different styles of uh, combat sports. And so the way that Kobe fights, he's in your face a lot. So some fighters are like more stand back and they're kind of like, I'm going to react to what you give me, or I'm going to kind of like give you some things and I'm going to feel and I'm going to read and I'm going to anticipate off of what I've given you before. So, like, I might throw, like, a jab. I'm going to see how you react to that jab. I'm going to throw a faint jab. The jab's not even really there to hit you. It's more to see how you react to that jab. And based off how you react to what I'm giving you, I'm going to maybe pick up on some of your techniques and tendencies. So, oh, okay, I throw a jab. You come up to block like this, maybe, and you bring this hand down in preparation for a strike. I'm going to remember that you bring that hand down, and I'm going to maybe throw something else, follow up that jab like a hook, and maybe catch you. So it's just the pace that Kobe fights at is he fights at a high pace. He's in your face constantly. He's constantly mm-hmm. throwing stuff at you. It doesn't give you time to think. And I think Leon Edwards is a great fighter when he gets time to think because he throws things. He had the stuff he was throwing at Kamara, and that's how he got that high kick. He kept throwing that faint jab. He'd throw the kick down low and fake. He'd throw a faint down low, and then he'd throw up a high kick. And it's kind of one of the things that got Kamara knocked out because he went he went low and Leon went high and that's how he caught him. And I think that's one thing that Leon does so well is he reads. Now I think if he can catch him off of one of his reads, yes, he can definitely win and get knockout. But I just think that Kobe is, I think having that two years off might've helped him because he might've been a cardio machine and the the dude was a cardio animal before. And I I don't know. I got Kobe by decision. So you're saying, it's just the styles. The styles, it's not a good matchup stylistically for Leon. I don't think so. Okay. Well, if your prediction goes through, then we're going to have a new champ. And I got to ask you then with your predictions and all those, are you going to roll that into a parlay this weekend? Oh, yes, for sure. I have a parlay in the making. Uh, I haven't really set anything in yet. I usually kind of wait until after weigh-in, see how fighters feel, see how fighters are doing. If any fighters miss fucking weight, I fucking hate that. I can't stand that. Make weight. Have It's your job. I understand weight cuts suck. It, make weight. No excuses. So any last-second fighters dropping out, any last fighters stepping in, um, like you have with Ian Gary, um, who is supposed to be fighting. Uh, Ian Gary is supposed to be fighting. I can't remember who he's supposed to be fighting off the top of my head. But yeah, he had pneumonia, his child got sick, um, and they're in the hospital. So people who are giving him shit for that, like who's he's in, in the hospital with his child, unnecessary, crazy, stop. Like if your kid was in the hospital, wouldn't you go to the hospital and be with your kid? And if you're sick, you're going to be, you're not going to fight. Let's be real. And this fight's happening, T-Mobile Arena loss. Vegas. Um, if so the books win. are already coming for you. It's in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. So he would be, 
he would be the champ, and that would be, and that post press conference would be something crazy. I got a good parlay right now of underdogs that I think might pay out pretty well. Um, when I start looking at it, I'm not. I would just take money lines. I wouldn't even go methods because I'm gonna have like a nuke where it's gonna be like methods, like exact round method of knockout or submission. But I think the underdogs are gonna have a good day. And then Chuck, it looks like it's already UFC 297 and 298. Their cards are already written. Yeah, so um, 297 is in place. 298 is in place. They're probably working on a little bit more of like under, like uh, like under, like the cards underneath on that main card. I think they might put in like a few more extra slots and extra fighters as time goes on. But I think that most of them are set in, are set in stone. Like the one for January 20th is already probably, probably pretty much set in stone, but 298, they might add in another fight or, you know, with training camps, injuries and different things mm-hmm. like that over time, that's going to change the way that the picture p- plays out. So then just real quick, looking at 297, uh, with Sean Strickland, who a lot of people obviously... They know who Sean Strickland and he is in the main event here. How are you looking? I know this is still ways away, but how are you looking at him now defending his belt in the main event? I want to see what he does. I mean, as if any new champion, what I want, you are a champion now. All right, great. Congratulations. You reached your peak. Either you celebrated and this is your peak or you haven't reached your peak yet. You celebrated. You know, it's time to get back to fucking business and you're going to go for that mountain. You're trying to be one of the top five on the Mount Rushmore. See, this is the mindset you have to have. You get mm-hmm. the belt. Okay, I got the belt. That's check off my list. Let's go for Mount Rushmore now. Let's have one of the most dominant runs we can with the belt, and let's hold on. That's what I want to see from Tron Strickland. I want to see the patience you have, different stylistic fighters. You were the one on the hunt. You were the one hunting down the man for the belt. Now you're the one being hunted. Let me see how you react under pressure. Let me see what you can do. Sean Strickland, I'm hoping you go off. I believe in Sean Strickland all the way against Driscus Duplessis. I got Sean Strickland by knockout fourth round. What other matches should casual fans, why should casual fans turn into 297 when it happens? I mean, you got Raquel Pennington, one of the GOATs. Uh, that's a pioneer right there among the uh, women fighters versus Myra Bueno Silva. Um, I think that's going to be one of the great fights uh, for the co-main event. Number two versus number three. Whoever's going to win, that's going to go up for a title shot, probably most likely next. Um, or they're going to fight the number one contender, and then they'll do that. But I think that whoever wins that goes up for a title shot next. Um, Neil Magny versus Mike Malott. Mike Malott in that Canadian card where all the Canadians won. Shout out to Canada. Um, <laughs> Neil Magny after that. getting his ass dog walk by Ian Gary after those comments. I want to see how he bounces back, but I also want to see how Mike Malott bounces back after being at that peak moment for um, his career. Um, you got Jan Blankowitz, who light heavyweight, who had the belt at one point. See if he can bounce back and go up against Alex Perea at some point now that Jerry has lost the belt. But yeah, those are some things that I'm keeping an eye out on. Um, some of the bigger fights that can shape out title sequencing. Yeah, because also, I feel like some fans are going to think that 297, 298, and even 299, in a sense, I know that all these cards can change and whatnot, but that some fans are going to feel like they're fillers until 300, because everyone is expecting, since it's going to be 300, to be massive. So how could UFC curve that? Because there are going to be fans who think like that. So this is the thing they have to think about. With these cards and the way things shape out, they can pace out 300 to be in the middle of the year, honestly, if they wanted to put some fight nights and some just title, put some title fights on the line for free, kind of. I know it's not their favorite thing to do, but like they did it with Chevenko uh, and Alexa Grasso when it was Hispanic Heritage Night. Mm-hmm. So like maybe do that, maybe do a few of those so that way people and they can kind of stall and build a little bit of time till UFC 300 so fighters can recover because like, the ones fighting on 297, 298, 299, maybe you have them fight on that 300 card, but you need them to have some time to recover. So if some of these fights shape out differently and you have titles that shift hands, that changes how 300 looks potentially. And you have some things that are people are like, oh, shit. So like 297, for instance, if Sean Strickland loses the belt like mm-hmm. that already, 
boom, you can put, you have Driscoll Duplessis, who's your new title shot, put Sean Strickland versus Driscoll already. And that's a rematch that people wouldn't want to see because Sean just had the belt and he just lost it that quick. And then for like 296, you have Alex Perea, who just got the belt. So like you want to see who he potentially fights next, if he can go on a dominant run. Um, you just get into all those other different fighters and stuff like uh, Sean O'Malley. He fights on 299. Mm-hmm. If he loses the belt, then like it's, you just have all these different scenarios that can play out with people shifting belts and hands and stuff like that. Do you feel like that's also the reason they haven't? Because I personally feel like they know what they want to do for 300. They just haven't. Oh, they know what it. they want to do for 300. They wanna, they're they probably texting John like, hey, bro, how long do you, <laughs> do you recover? Are you good? Like, come on. Like, and that's why I'm saying they might put in some filler fights. Like, because the 297, 298, 299, those aren't going to be filler fights. Those are going to be like good cards. But I think that that March time frame will be when 299 is. So they're going to announce 300 probably around 299, but 300 probably won't be around until the middle, like summertime. They'll do summertime. That's like three months to prep for 300. Have fighters do good training camps and stuff like that. Have potentially five title defenses. Because I think Daniel's going to go all out because people are giving him shit lately. You got Francis who's been fucking taken off and made that mm-hmm. motherfucker look like a damn fool. Mm-hmm. You have the PFL and Bellator merging and shit. You have so much going out on uh, combat sports, people targeting you for not paying your fucking fighters, which you should be doing. You have so much negativeness coming towards you where you need to put on a big, big event for 300 for people to be like, okay, Dana's a fucking mastermind. I mean, by the last time we recorded, this was after the fact that speaking of PFL, them and ESPN just signed a new multi-year media rights agreement that they can, that ESPN could uh, distribute PFL regular season playoffs World Championship on ESPN Plus, ESPN Pay Per View, like, and you want to know the thing that's really eating the Dana's pockets and making the Dana looks bad is all of this shit is free. You could go in on ESPN Plus and watch a main card, a main event for PFL, and like you can go and like I mean I know there's some that you have to buy and stuff, some of them you gotta pay for, but for the most case, you can watch a lot of those for free. Yeah, Chuck, I mean, this is going to be another big thing in 2024. The first PFL pay-per-view super fight will be early 2024. And and then that's competition. You know, that's when you look for your next big program to take over. And, uh, I mean, from news and stuff that I've heard before from people who actually work at ESPN, uh, it's not like... ESPN likes the UFC. It's not like ESPN likes Dana White. I, I think they like the UFC, but I don't think they like Dana White. Makes sense. I mean, what was it this time? Was it this time last year we were talking or two years ago when he had the incident with his wife? I think it was probably around this time last year. Yeah, because yeah, it was at a Christmas party thing. But in, in the thing is, I think like every like month or like two months there's something with the ufc fighter and domestic violence i just saw something like the other day with someone i can't remember who fighter what fighter it was but like it's constant and if you're letting it just slide and if you're doing it yourself as like the head guy you know it's gonna really deteriorate i said that word very bad deteriorate (laughs) your uh fan base and it's just gonna make people not want to buy in you know that's going to hurt your marketing and that's going to hurt your sponsors. And that's going to make ESPN be like, oh, you're hurting our pockets. Why should we keep you here? Yeah. Once you start hurting ESPN's pockets, all bets are off. Oh, yeah. ESPN is top dog. They ran by, you know, Disney is there, too. So, look, if you're not if you're not buying in, you're buying out. That's why I was thinking, too, like Dana's about money, all that stuff. I feel like UFC 300, I mean, him and. PFL slash Ngannou work a deal, get him on that card. I mean, you Ngannou, know, Ngannou is hot right now, man. He is, and he is everywhere. And that's the thing that uh, you sent me the video with him in the club chase. He is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the worst thing for Dana White because he was like the next big thing for UFC. He was, yep. Wow. And yep. Dana's like, no, I don't like the way you're doing this. Like, you're injured. Like, and he's make Dana's painting him out to be the bad guy a lot of the time, you know? Mm-hmm. And now it's like shit. 
you see he leaves D- he leaves Dana and it's just like oh okay Dana's looking like it looked like this was Dana's fault you know yeah, and really just the way he's rising and he's going to eventually surpass Dana and it's, they're, they're going to be like okay yeah Dana's a fucking fool yeah because on I mean that for any UFC fan I would definitely take some time listen to it in chunks because it's a it's a long podcast I get into a lot of stuff uh, Club Shay Shay with Shannon Sharp and Francis Ngannou, if you're a UFC fight fan. But he talked about stuff, man. He talked about, like, he was fighting for, like, stuff you've talked about on here. Healthcare for the fighters, more, like, being able to, like, take some other fights, things like that. And they were fighting for what every fighter wants. I mean, you want to have some flexibility. I mean, the market for these fighters is so crazy nowadays because you think about the YouTube fighters. You have so many different avenues you can reach and so many different streams of revenue that you can have in your pocket. But if you're limited to just one narrow straight cut way, you're not going to be able to do anything. If the UFC and that's as the UFC is all you can do, and that's the minimum you can reach and you can't do anything outside, unless you're a big name fighter who has extra endorsements, you're going to be stuck for the rest of your life. I mean, I was listening to the, I, I listened to some of the other fighters talk to Joe Rogan and they're like, yeah, so I got paid for my fight. It was twenty thousand dollars, but you didn't. You have to take out tax. You know that's like thirteen thousand dollars after tax. It takes me two months. This is my only job, so this is like a three month training camp. Mm-hmm. I'm only getting like twelve thousand dollars every three months. How the hell am I supposed to afford to live? All my bills get stacked up in that three month time period because you got to think rent is monthly if they're renting. Uh, mortgage is monthly if you're if you bought a home. Car payments are monthly. So that's monthly bills that are getting stacked up. You only get this certain amount for three months. You have to spread it out evenly and you have to make sure that you have all your bills paid. And if you're only making 12000 a fight and you can only fight every three months because you got to think about the toll that it takes on your body, then you're not making much. I mean, that's a good point. That's why there's a lot of people who work like extra the, For those normal fighters, like I think what we get accustomed to is we're thinking about like the john jones or the cormiers like the top the run the top of the top but a lot of these mid card free limb free the fights we see we get to see free before the main card starts on espn they're not making all, all that too much and when you break it down like this is my only job and like i only get paid maybe three times a year and if i'm only getting paid 12k three times a year i mean that's not enough that's nothing like Kamar Usman talked about it when he originally like signed up and he wasn't he wasn't making that much. I guess for some fighters that's gonna what that's gonna do is elevate you, make you have that desire to get make more. But then also for some people it's gonna discourage you. It's gonna be like, man, I can't I can't survive for like but for someone like me who actually wants to get into the UFC, for someone who actually wants to fight, it's discouraging because like I need to work a full time job to make sure I can afford to feed my family. I can't train twenty four seven like you want to. Cause like I said. These fighters are insane. I mean, the level, I don't think people understand the level that it goes through. Like these people, like when they're at work, like if they're working a full-time job and they're training to try to get into the UFC, mm-hmm. I know people who are trying to get in and like they work at a warehouse with making like washers and dryers. They're conditioning their shins and their like forearms. They're constantly hitting their shins mm-hmm. on the metal and they're con- like conditioning their skin to where they won't get fractures in their skin at work. They're sitting there punching stuff, practicing constantly day and night. You're training at 4 a.m., 3 a.m., 2 a.m., like 11 a.m. You're constantly training all day. You're working a night shift job maybe so that way you can train during the day when all the gyms are open. So there's so much of your time that gets devoted into this because if you don't – like there's people who put their all into this and they're constantly like – crafting everything to where they make one mistake they know how to counteract that mistake and if you make a mistake and you're not training like them you're done so the people who can't afford to do that you you just it sucks you can't really do it it's a good good point man i mean uh, just going back how that stem from the nganu thing because he's talking then there's probably there's going to be he's going to be more out there there's going to be a fury match to Someday he talked about Wilder and all this stuff. I don't know if you've heard. Currently, oh, yeah. they said it hasn't been announced. I mean, currently they said it hasn't been they finalized. Were, yeah. But yeah, there were Wilder and Joshua are about to fight boxing, just going boxing wise. So, I mean, and if Ngannou's getting it, like, just imagine if Ngannou second round, like, this is some Rocky stuff. 
and he beats Fury, becomes champ. Like, because now, after seeing the first fight, money's people are gonna bet on Ngannou to win. Oh, know? money's coming in, and that and that and they're gonna fuck you over on that damn money line. That money line's gonna be fucked. It, it, he, he, he's not coming in at a plus eight seventy anymore. Oh no, I no. was I was banking on that plus eight seventy because I knew if Francis had that knockout power, I said he just got to catch him once and he's gonna put him out. He caught him once. I was I was mm-hmm. happy, and then I was like, "Fuck, I got fucked." And oh, then they, put, they announced the fight that who won. I was like, "This is rigged." Yeah, because there's yeah. a lot of people who probably took that money line because they knew Francis. Francis ain't a joke. No. Catch him one time. That's all he needs to do. But now the rematch, there's gonna be more people putting money on Francis because oh, they're gonna be sure. like. It's, it's all financial stuff, but I just, Dana always says, gives people fights we're going to see. Obviously, we, at this point in time, we'll never see Jones versus Ngannou, which I would love to see that money line. We're all waiting. We're all hoping Jones can fight at uh, 300. Um, but if Jones can't fight at 300, Chuck, and I do want to end it on this one, and obviously we'll get closer and closer to 300. What would you make the main event? If Jones can't fight. My main event. If John Jones can't fight at UFC 300. Oh, this is tough. If he can't fight at 300. You really like that. That's honestly probably his biggest selling point. Mm hmm. I don't think you can get Connor back in time, but because if he did, if he had launched Connor at UFC 300, people are gonna really, 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 really give him shit for the amount of time that Connor's been off, and he just jumps right into the front of the line. Do you believe the rumors of trying to get Rousey at 300? Rousey, she's active though. I feel that she's constantly active. She's constantly because you have to stay in shape and you have to stay like in perfect form for WWE. Because you're that's con the wear and tear on your body though from mm-hmm. the WWE that also plays into a factor. Mm-hmm. So I can believe into it a little bit, but I, especially with Amanda being gone, it's got to be someone the casuals like no because you need them to watch because like Islam Makachev versus like. Islam Makachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky. That's not going to sell again like the way it has. Not for no. John Jones versus Stipe would sell. John Jones versus anybody would sell crazy. Mm-hmm. Leon Edwards versus like Kamara or somebody or Kobe versus Kamara. If Kobe gets the title, that's not going to sell the same. It'd sell, but it's not going to sell the same. Alex Perea versus Israel Adesanya or some crazy light heavyweight. It's not going to sell the same. Only light heavyweight that it would sell against is John Jones, um, mm-hmm. Charles Oliveira. For like, I'm I'm going through the pound for pound because this is their pound for pound rankings, and these are the people that they list as the, mm-hmm. the pound for pound rankings. Honestly, is the one I say that's a casuals guide. It's yeah. the top fifteen fighters that everyone's going to know, and if you look through that top fifteen, none of a lot of these are new title holders. And one thing I could see him selling, because when I look at this list, you have number 13 versus number three. Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway. But I guarantee you that's not going to sell the same because that's going to be like the fourth time they fight. And and Max Holloway has lost three of those damn times. So no one's really going to buy into it as much. There's nothing that's really going to sell as much as John Jones versus anybody as a headline for UFC 300. Because UFC 300, you got to think about it. It's 300. That's yeah. the 300th event that it has to be great. If not, people are going to be like, this is mediocre. The only thing that would make it great is if he puts four or five title defenses. So every fight on the main card is for a belt. And that's something I could potentially see him doing just to sell it. Because I, I don't know if he played UFC 5. UFC 5 out now, I just... I just got it. Like I played the like my ten hour free trial with EA. You can create your own like event now. Like you can create your own event. Oh, and that's cool. And it and what I did was I I did one with five title fights. And you know what? Five title fights would fucking sell. 
have the prelims be loaded with like ranked fighters, you have to make it to where people are like two versus three, five versus seven. Like you need it to be the top 10 fighters in every weight division fighting at least on that card for it to really be something that people want to buy into. That's cool. I mean, we gotta, we're going to have to figure it out, man, while we're on this pod, especially it's probably going to be your biggest pod covering that one that when that one may have to be a live stream. Oh, for sure. Um, We're going crazy for 300. But we, I mean, you're a UFC expert, man. You watch it more than anyone I know. And, that's like if I and, and you can't predict the main event because we don't know if John if John Jones is hurt, we don't know what they're gonna do. So yeah, they gave a seven month time frame for him to come back. Um, that was about like a, two months ago, I think, maybe three. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, the timeline shapes up perfectly for Dana White. Oh, he's hurt. Yeah, seven months. Let's see what happens. And seven months is a perfect time frame. Hopefully everything is going good with his brother too, because I think that also plays into a fact. Yeah. I feel like they're gonna have to make a deal, man. Get Nganu there for 300, throw him in there for one round, one match. That would sell. That that's something that would sell. So like back in the 80s. <laughs> with that being said, thank you everyone for listening to the L7C podcast. Make sure you like, rate, comment, subscribe. Chuck's gonna be back. Uh, he'll be back on the end of year pod. He'll be back for 2024. And you know, this is the lead up to 300. This is going to be the first time we're going to have such a big pay-per-view that we'll be able to talk about on this podcast. So we're going to be building up towards that as well. So be on the lookout for us in 2024. With that being said, L7C Podcast signing out. Thank you for listening to this episode of the L7C Podcast. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the channel. Follow us on all social media platforms, and we'll be talking to you guys soon. Take care.